What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Week 17 DFS MVP. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my co-host, Matt Savoka. If you are a new listener this late in the season, a little bit about what we do every week. We go over our favorite values uh, of the week for both FanDuel and DraftKings main slate. We usually follow it up with a theory segment to get you better at DFS and dial your game, but we only have two weeks left. So uh, if you want to check out some theory, go back on the YouTube uh, and and check out some of our segments. For these last couple of weeks, we'll go over a, a new, maybe permanent uh, segment we'll see how it goes single digit saviors our top gpp plays under 10 percent. i think that should be pretty fun uh, we still do have a couple other shows rolling through the end of the regular season monday will be our last cash game review of the season 11 a.m pacific time 2 p.m eastern time here on youtube we still have a couple more yahoo dfs value shows with yahoo's matt Harmon that drops every saturday on both the dfs mvp and the yahoo podcast feeds and of course DFS GPP Last Look show every Sunday morning with Jordan Vanek on the subscriber-only Discord at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure you get signed up for that if you haven't yet. And we are still going through Championship Week, so we have quite a few DFS slates left. So if you've been knocked out of your redraft leagues and want to dabble in DFS, the 4 for 4 price for the DFS subscription is down to $24. That's uh, plenty of value on that sub considering it's basically a millionaire buy-in on DraftKings. If you use the promo code DFS MVP when you sign up, you can get an additional 10% off. And before we get into everything today, today's podcast is brought to you by WinBet. WinBet is bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all of your favorite teams, players, and sports from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. We have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, a risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now and use the promo code 4 for 4. That's the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4, to claim your risk-free bet today. Matt, welcome to week 17, sir. Hey, happy to be here. This week is kind of a dichotomy of the overall 2021 season. The totals aren't very high. 51 Mm -hmm. is really kind of the highest we're seeing. But we have some huge spreads, some obvious spots, some really high implied totals for teams here. So it's, it's a huge slate, but it's kind of the same endeavor we've been dealing with week after week and uh, yep. shout out to not TJ Hernandez in chat, possibly Jordan Vanek uh, for uh, showing up last week. I had a lot of fun with him, but uh, happy to be back in the saddle this week with you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for holding down the fort last week, guys. Happy to be back as, as well. Got my voice back. So that's nice. It's very important for podcasting to have a voice. Uh, yeah, we have a huge slate this week. And um, as as has been the case pretty much over the last month, um, waiting on some COVID news, on some injury news. So uh, we'll touch on that as needed. But let's jump into our quarterbacks of the week, starting with your guy. Sure. And so you're going to hear some obvious options. And as we talked about in that opening, there are some obvious plays here. Tom Brady against the Jets. Yeah, that stands out. Josh Allen for sure, but I want to talk about Jalen Hurts, who's in a really, really solid spot against the Washington football team here. 7,900 on FanDuel, 6,600 on DraftKings, and Philadelphia is bottom 10 in game-adjusted pass rate and in pace of play. That is a demerit against Hurts, but I think so much of this offense 
is going to be concentrated around what Hertz does. And if this game plays out the way the spread is suggesting it will, then Hertz is going to have to play well in this game with that backfield beat up the way that it is. So I see it as there being multiple outs for Hertz against Washington here, where Philly can win by playing rush oriented and slow and deliberate as they kind of want to with Hertz having Hurts adding a ton with his legs. I mean, he's got 9.5 rushes per game and 2.2 red zone rushes per game this season. That's QB2 and QB1, respectively, in those stats. And his 10 touchdowns with his legs is QB1 this season as well. So Philly can really also play to the weaknesses of Washington, who is a pass-funnel defense, meaning it's easier to pass on them. So if they go pass-heavy or maybe even pace up here, I think they're going to find a lot of success. And obviously, that would lead to more success through the air with Jalen Hurts. So he's a pretty obvious play if you look at the value options. QB2 on FanDuel, QB4 on DraftKings. Jalen Hurts, surprisingly, one of the value options this week in Week 17. Yeah, Hurts. Um, I, I think a lot of people are going to look at, at Trey Lance this week, and, and he's a kind of in a salary tier um, on his own in terms of usable quarterbacks, especially for cash games. And I think a lot of people look at that and, and assume that that is where the um, the optimal build lands. But of course, we're, we need to be looking at this uh, as lineups in their entirety. And surprisingly, at least based on the player pools I've been I've been using so far this week, which usually line up pretty well with with you on FanDuel, um, Jalen Hurts is actually the one that's been popping in optimals for me. So uh, surprisingly, even though he is obviously more expensive than Trey Lance, because there's value at other positions, he's the one that, that's actually been popping for me um, the most, at least in cash game builds for now. Now, there's a lot of flexibility in builds this week. Uh, again, we're still waiting on some news um, elsewhere. But uh, a player that I really like this week is Dak. Prescott at $7,400 on FanDuel, $6,700 on DraftKings against Arizona as a six-point favorite. You mentioned we have um, a, a bunch of teams. We, we don't have a lot of super high over-unders, and we don't have any super high implied point totals. And we kind of talked about this um, on the Cash Game Review last week with that when we have all of these totals kind of bunched up together, uh, it lets you kind of get more creative in how you're going to build, whether it be Cash Games or GPPs. Um, you don't necessarily just have to automatically go to the highest implied point total and say that's the, the best play. We have six teams projected for over 27 points, but no team projected for at least 30 points. So they're all really Really clumped together Dallas being one of those teams at 28.75 implied uh, points and one thing about the Cowboys passing game and, and Dak Prescott is there's always kind of the concern that Dak's going to lose touchdown equity to to the running game um, whether it be Zeke getting more healthy or Pollard just breaking off long uh, long scores himself but over the last six weeks, Dallas is actually throwing at the third highest rate in neutral game script. And Arizona, if we look at season-long numbers, um, they rate out pretty well or, or at least middle of the pack against quarterbacks. But recently, they've really struggled uh, against the pass. Second most fantasy points per pass attempt over the last six weeks. They've allowed the highest, second highest QBR on passes of 20 plus air yards. So a lot of quick strike ability there. And Dak is just kind of in this um, 
really like low to medium salary tier QB 11 on FanDuel QB 8 on DraftKings and obviously we saw last week uh, you know Dallas offense just goes nuclear drops a 50 burger on on Washington so we know the upside is there but with how much they've been passing um, I'm really tempted to play Dak uh, really in all formats I mean on DraftKings where he's down at 67 probably be pretty popular in in both formats but I think he's viable in, in cash on both sides. Yeah, it was great to see him get there in such a plus matchup, too, Mm -hmm. because they were ahead that whole game, and they still kept their foot on the gas pedal. That was his second game this season for Dak Prescott, where he had 8.5 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions, except the last time he did it, he had only 188 yards passing. This time, he gets up to 330. That kind of shows you the difference in the, the play calling trends in Dallas going forward this season. Yeah, I'm excited about I'm excited about that offense in that game. Um, just in general, let's move on to running backs. Um, we got a big question mark waiting on James Conner news. If, if James Conner is inactive, Chase Edmonds probably the best value on both sides. But we're still that's a game time decision, so we kind of have to wait for that. Uh, but you like a guy that's very affordable on both sides. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we may have a free square open up after all, but I really like Devin Singletary, and that's one of the reasons I didn't choose Josh Allen as mm-hmm. a value play. I know his salary's up there, but Allen is absolutely viable this week in all formats. Yeah. Singletary, though, is the one I want to point out here because we've seen some changing in play calling, just like in Dallas, for the Buffalo Bills, who are traditionally, at least over the last few years, extremely pass-happy And they utilize Josh Allen either with his arm or his legs at the goal line. Now that's starting to shift a little bit with Devin Singletary. The last few weeks, 61% of all rushes and 76% of all red zone rushes. That's including Josh Allen. So that's, that's really encouraging trends here for a team where I typically stay away from the running back core if I don't get quality opportunities, which I count as targets and as rushes inside the 10. Singletary had 23 opportunities in week 15. He had 18 opportunities last week, but that was really because he was needed as a receiving weapon with that depleted receiving core. He had six targets. So I think he goes back to a more traditional rushing role, especially against the Falcons here. This is a game that they should dominate from start to finish. So you're talking about a 6,000 salary on FanDuel runner and a 5,400 salary DraftKings player. He's as close as we have to that free square this week. Yeah, I, I like him, um, especially if if James Conner plays, and then we'll talk about a little bit more about Antonio Brown. Um, if Antonio Brown is out, like those are probably the two biggest values on the slate. So if those become unavailable to us, I think Singletary is probably um, the most reliable option in terms of opening up salary. I will say that uh, we have him projected for relatively high ownership. I think I might even bump it up more just depending on how injuries and, and, and COVID things shake out. Uh, uh, so he is a play that I, I think he's 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 that kind of tough play where I think there's a lot of um, uh, of game scripts and avenues where he hits salary. He's kind of a player where if he ends up in like 20 percent of lineups, I don't know if he's the, the ceiling GPP play that I like, especially at that ownership. But uh, as, as far as a value play opening up salary, he makes a ton of sense this week. Uh, totally agree. I think the ceiling. Josh Allen's the one with the ceiling in that offense and his receiving core. 
Yeah, one uh, one running back that is still a very good value, but comes with um, maybe as much ceiling as any running back on the slate. And I say that knowing that Jonathan Taylor is on the slate. Uh, David Montgomery at seventy two hundred on Fanduel, sixty five hundred dollars on DraftKings. He's one of three backs with uh, at least eighty five percent of his team's backfield touches uh, over the last month, and he should be in a very good game script in a game where the Bears are favored by six points. Um, over the hapless Giants. We've seen Montgomery in that stretch where he has seen that huge chunk of, of uh, backfield touches, 23-plus touches in three of his last four games. And one thing that's really been a boon to his value is that he's been a huge part of the passing game with Justin Fields' sideline. He's the only back Montgomery is with a target share of at least 20% over the last month. That's uh, coming from 7.8 targets per game. So uh, I, I think maybe as we're recording this, we got confirmation that um, Justin Fields is officially out. But, I mean, it pretty much sounds like there's no way he plays. Even if, if somehow he does, I mean, the, the game script for Dave Montgomery, the workload he's getting, uh, big favorites. I, I just think Montgomery's probably the most obvious cash game play of the week for me. Yeah, totally. I, I completely agree here, especially I think he gets a little boost with the fact that you have immobile quarterbacks at the yes, helm exactly. now. And I think the pairs are... Uh, metaphorically and literally running out the rest of the season here with David Montgomery. Uh, I think they're going to lean on him a ton. This four-game stretch of target shares above seven, or excuse me, targets above seven for him, he's actually seen the more targets in this four-game stretch than he has in any four-game stretch of his entire career. So that receiving upside is a huge boon for Montgomery. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of receiving, let's move on to our wide receivers. Talk about um, a guy that you love that that popped up surprise questionable um, as we started recording this today. But um, as long as he's active, should be um, one of the best plays on the slate. I'm trying not to tilt right now because so much of the slate for me is built around yeah. this Tampa Bay and New York Jets game. Their obvious cash game plays, their obvious tournament stacking options. And Antonio Brown is basically a walking wide receiver one every time he steps on the field. All of a sudden, we're worried he's going to be able, if he's going to be able to step onto the field, apparently tweaked his ankle in practice. Uh, he's a borderline must play value mm -hmm. on DraftKings, in my yep. opinion. Less so on FanDuel. He's actually more expensive than Tyree yeah. Hill this week. And so that's definitely something to monitor. But he's far, far from unplayable on FanDuel just because the matchup is so good. And mm. like I said, li listen to these game lines. His last three game lines, 10 receptions on 15 targets on 103 air yards as well, 101 receiving yards. 9 of 13 for 100 on 145 air yards ends up with 93 receiving yards and a touchdown and then seven catches 124 receiving yards and two touchdowns before that yeah this is what happens when you are in your mid-30s at the wide receiver position you see some volatility in your availability but the volatility in usage hasn't really been there for yeah. antonio brown he's basically just been a wide receiver one every time he's on the field and he's playing the jets the worst team in schedule adjusted fantasy points to opposing offenses it's kind of case closed on DraftKings. on FanDuel. it's a spot where you don't have to get there but he's still one of my favorite plays in cash and tournaments 
Yeah, there's um, there's going to be a lot um, to be determined in this game, specifically both from a, a value perspective in cash games and an ownership perspective in GPPs. There's just so many question marks about um, who is going to be active for this team. Um, obviously, Antonio Brown, one of the best values if he plays. Mike Evans activated from COVID today. That still doesn't guarantee he plays, but it sounds like he's trending towards playing. Um, and, and then we have Rojo, who's probably going to be one of the most popular backs on the slate as well. So depending on who plays, some combination of Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Rob, Gronkow- Rob Gronkowski could be among the most popular players um, on the slate. But I think the, the big question, assuming Antonio Brown is active, will be is he's as good of a value if Evans is active as well. And I just think we have to go all the way back to before his injuries and his suspensions. Even when he was only getting like 50-60% of the snaps, he was still getting there because his target rate per snap is just as high as almost any player in the league because Brady just trusts him. So even if Evans is active, Antonio Brown's probably going to play 90% plus of the snaps. Um, if he is able to play and and brady's just going to get it to him yeah and i think antonio brown even even at his age is still more suited to play in the slot so if you get if if you get a situation where evans does play and he's legitimately healthy i still think you're going to see brady leaning on brown in a similar way that he leaned on godwin out of the slot before he got injured Yeah, I agree with that. Um, One guy that we have um, no target share concerns about right now is Amon Ross St. Brown, $6,900 on FanDuel, $6,000 on DraftKings against Seattle as a seven-point underdog. And this is a game, if you listen to the Yahoo show that comes out tomorrow with Matt Harmon, Matt and I actually kept going back and forth on this game as one that that could have... uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's gonna have shootout potential, but maybe some surprising back and forth. Um, Detroit's offense has kind of been uh, popping ever since St. Brown came on as a good receiver. Uh, it, it sounds like Jared Goff um, uh, might not play, but uh, we saw St. Brown succeed regardless of who's been at quarterback. Over the last month, he's one of three players with 10 plus targets in each of the last four weeks. That's equated to a 35% target share, um, which is fourth in that same span. And just like you talked about Antonio Brown, those, those safe targets out of the slot, 29 of St. Brown's targets over the past month have come from the slot. That's the fifth most for any player in terms of targets from the slot. So regardless of who's starting uh, at quarterback for Detroit this week, um, they're getting DeAndre Swift back. People are going to say, well, does that mean St. Brown's going to lose some targets? Sure. Maybe St. Brown doesn't get, you know, 12 targets, but, I mean, DeAndre Swift, if DeAndre Swift comes in there and gets his normal seven or eight targets, there's probably still 20 to 25 targets to go around with Detroit as an underdog. So he's just established himself um, as a a very good receiver, at least in terms of what this team is doing right now. And it's just a different, now it's a different makeup than like looking at splits with St. Brown um, before he came on. I I don't think it makes a ton of sense because now they know they have new information that they can use him as a reliable um, uh, possession receiver. So he's fine for me with Swift there. I think it might even make him uh, just the whole offense better. Yeah, right, because there's a possibility we actually get to the red zone a few more times here. They're extending drives a few a few more times that it boosts the whole offense. 
And we've seen this, especially with Jared Goff at the helm, where he leans on his short area receivers, especially ones out of the slot, where Cooper Cup excelled in Los Angeles. And this is the area where Amon Ross St. Brown is being utilized most heavily. So not only is it rational to see him get more usage, it just seems like it's a very good efficiency talent uh, mesh, even for a bad offense. Speaking of bad offenses (laughs) and players who are getting there anyway, I mean, you got to give it to Brandon Cooks, like a little round of applause for Brandon Cooks, kind of keeping his head down on a terrible Houston team. Every time he steps on the field, he's a wide receiver one as well. And then that team goes out without him and probably plays their best game of the season against a quality opponent in Los Angeles. Nonetheless, Cooks is the wide receiver four in our value ranking on FanDuel and wide receiver three on DraftKings here. So we're talking about a borderline must play, and he's certainly not at a top tier salary, 6,500 FanDuel, 6,000 DraftKings. He's got five games with double digit targets this season, and I believe all or at I was checking right before the show, all but one possibly are with Davis Mills this year. So that's important to point out that Mills especially likes to target Cooks a significant amount of the time. Uh, The past two starts for him, 7 of 10 for 102 receiving yards, and then the week before that, 8 for 11, or excuse me, 8 catches on 11 targets for 101 receiving yards as well. San Francisco quietly 22nd in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers. And we all saw what Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown were able to do last Thursday. That's definitely a cause for concern. Not saying that Mills and Cooks are at that level, but the opportunity should be there. They got smoked last week by AJ Brown. Why can't they be cooked by Cooks this week? (laughs) Yeah. uh, I mean, especially if, I mean, Cooks is just a great value play overall. Um, if if Trey Lance is going to be popular, I think this is a spot where you can bring it back with Cooks. Um, 49ers, uh, Houston stacks, maybe not one we thought we would be targeting, but the value uh, makes it so that you can stack this game and uh, save a bunch of salary. So I, I like Cooks um, a lot. Another guy that has really been uh, dominating targets whenever he's been active has been Jalen Waddle, and, and he's still fairly priced on both sites. Seven thousand dollars on Fanduel, sixty-seven hundred dollars on DraftKings against Tennessee. Last week, you saw Waddle come back from an injury, saw a forty-six percent target share. Obviously, it's going to be hard to maintain that. But um, going back to the games that he played before their buy and before his injury, that. Gives him three straight games now with at least 10 targets. He's one of eight players averaging 10 targets per game since week eight. He's average, actually averaging 9.9, so I cheated a little bit there, but that's basically 10. Uh, Titans 25th in schedule adjusted fantasy points uh, against wide receivers, according to 4 for 4. So uh, Waddle is a player that is going to maintain that huge target share, even with uh, with Parker and Gasecki there. I think you mentioned A.J. Brown. I think this is also kind of a, a sneaky game to at least maybe mini stack. I don't know if I'd be stacking either quarterback here, but uh, a mini with Waddle and A.J. Brown makes a lot of sense and and waddle is very much cash viable on both sides 100 percent, especially on DraftKings, where you get that full point per uh, per reception with waddle and i wonder how much of this was marshawn Lattimore, but basically that three-headed monster in that miami passing game turned into a two-headed monster yeah. parker wasn't utilized at all last yeah. week again it was a weird game script but still that's it was definitely it was a really weird game script yeah but still plus for waddle overall 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, earlier we talked about um, uh, Jalen Hurts as one of your favorite plays of the week. You like another player in this offense as your primary uh, tight end play. Yeah, and Devonta Smith got there last week, but I'm going back to the well with Dallas Goddard. Tight end two on both sites in our value ranking. He He's my favorite stacking option with with Hurts, and I have no problem doing it in cash. Washington is 22nd in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends and well below average to opposing offenses and receiving cores overall this season. Goddard has been excellent. Uh, he's gotten solid air yards, but he's also great after the catch. Yeah. His five yards after the catch per target this season is fourth best among tight ends. He's first in yards per reception, first in targets per route run, and he's second in yards per route run. And here's a big thing, especially for a young quarterback like Jalen Hurts. He's second in target separation at the position. So you don't have you don't have to throw him open. He gets open on his own, and he should have no problem against this Washington secondary that has struggled all season against opposing passing attacks. So he's it's a situation where the only reason I'm scared to play Dallas Goddard or your value option is because of how loaded this tight end yeah. uh, tight end slate is. We're not necessarily talking about players like Kittle, Andrews, and Kelsey, and they're all here, but we've got some really solid value plays. I think Dallas Goddard could easily match their ceiling this week. Yep, on FanDuel, um, I, if Travis Kelsey's at 82, Mark Andrews is at 87. Uh, it's it's tough to get to them, but I, I definitely think there are some paths for you to get there. On DraftKings, I think this is kind of the sweet sweet spot for cash games. Uh, I think the, the priority in cash games on DraftKings is to lock in Cooper Cup and figure out everything else from there. Uh, so th- there there's quite a few um, Titans in this range on both sides. But again, especially on DraftKings, it just really feels like the sweet spot. The guy that I'm looking at in this range is Zach Ertz, 5,500 Fandle, uh, 5,200 on DraftKings. He has averaged 8.3 targets per game over the last month, and that's went up even more over the last two weeks since DeAndre Hopkins ha- uh, was declared out for the season. 11-plus targets in those two games, equating to a 28% target share. He's third among all tight ends in expected fantasy points uh, per game uh, based on the 4-for-4 four four breakout receiver model that you write up every week. And I already mentioned Dak Prescott. I think this is a uh, a very good game environment to target, as we mentioned. There aren't um, a ton of huge over-unders on the slate, but there's a, I think there, there are a lot of paths for this game to be the shootout of the week. Um, I really like targeting passing games on both sides in this one, and Ertz, is, he's the safest play on the Arizona side this week. Yeah, I really like game stacking this game too because you can get super contrarian with it. The yeah. rushing attacks are just straight up contrarian unless we get mm-hmm. that free square in Chase sure. Edmonds. Yeah. And the passing attacks could easily blow, the, make this this 51 point total seem completely ridiculous here. So if you told me this was the game that went the most over its total, I completely agree there. Love Zach yeah. Ertz, especially since Hopkins uh, left the lineup. Yeah, opposite of um, a game that we think can um, can have a shootout, um, a game that looks like it's probably going to be dominated by one team. Has your favorite defense on the slate? <laughs> I, I wrote that the Buffalo Bills are bad, and the Atlanta Falcons. I wrote, got it wrong. I I got it wrong. It's right here on the page. The Atlanta Falcons are bad, and the Buffalo Bills are good, and that's pretty much that's how it. easy it is. Especially at thirty five hundred on DraftKings. I mean, yeah. our work here is done. Yeah. For 4,500 on FanDuel, the, the cup becomes a little more difficult, but 
you know, the value, they're a top value on both sites. Yep. Buffalo is DST2 in schedule-adjusted fantasy points to opposing offenses, and they're really competing against New England for that number one spot. Yep. And Atlanta is 22nd in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses. So a huge, huge mismatch, and that's exactly what the Vegas total and spread is showing us. Uh, they're a massive run-funnel defense, the Buffalo Bills are, but Atlanta probably isn't going to be able to take advantage of that. They're 30th in yards per carry allowed, and irrationally, they're not even getting players like Cordero Patterson involved in the passing game anymore. So if you're going to take Patterson's hybrid role away from him and just make him a pure rusher, he's really no better than than Mike Davis back there. You know, Buffalo is number one in yards per pass attempt allowed and number three in points per play allowed. They're still incredibly stingy despite the injuries in the secondary. Maybe because of their popularity can cross them off in tournaments, but I'm not sure. Even with the injuries here, it looks like a spot where it's hard to predict, but you could see two or three turnovers and maybe one going in the end zone. Yeah, they'll they'll be chalky-ish. Um, I I don't know what the the final projections will say, but we have four teams favored by over ten points. So Buffalo will, will be the most popular one, I think. I just don't know how um, how high it will get on them. Staying with uh, really good AFC East defenses, uh, my play is the Dolphins. Uh, they're very affordable, thirty six hundred Fanduel, twenty eight hundred on DraftKings, and it really just comes down to um, opportunities for sacks and turnovers in terms of pressure in this one. Even though the Dolphins Dolphins are road underdogs. They lead the league in pressure rate over the second half of the season. Tennessee's bottom two in adjusted sack rate allowed. Um, like We like A.J. Brown, but I still think that the Dolphins could get after Tannehill and have a good day. Uh, not much else to say about it other than I love how much they've been blitzing and getting after the quarterback. Yeah, eighth best in PFF's team defensive grade, seven-game win streak. This one feels like it could turn into a playoff-style January defensive yeah. slog. Yeah, um, I, I like the Dolphins a lot this week. Before we get into our theory segment today, I want to tell you about the easiest and most fun way to spice up the remainder of your fantasy football season. It's Underdog Fantasy and their brand new Pick'em game. Just pick the over or, or the under on your favorite or your least favorite player stats and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players, and you could take home some cold, hard cash. Head over to 444.com slash underdog. Claim your free 444 Pro subscription and get $10 in bonus cash to play this weekend. Uh, let's move on. I think this segment's going to be pretty fun, calling it our single-digit saviors or top GPP plays under 10%. Um, don't talk a lot of tournaments um, on this pod, but I, I thought it'd be a fun way to end the season uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, before we get into that, um, just a, a note on the slate. Like This is a massive slate. We haven't had a slate like this since before bye week started. We really haven't had a slate this big all season um, because there's no Thursday night game either. So do you have any adjustments for a slate with 14 games on it? Not not massive adjustments, yeah. right? I'm not changing my bankroll. This isn't like those weeks we had earlier in the season where like the player and the personnel was in question here. There's just a lot of situations that I don't think necessarily warrant so much attention unless you're trying to take down like a massive field tournament. So yeah. one thing I might just do in general is just ignore games. And this goes back to one of the lessons yeah. we talk about in our cash game review podcast where we let others 
make mistakes. Let's let others get overly contrarian, especially when we have these smash spots like the Bills against the Falcons, like the Buccaneers against the Jets. Let's just lean on that and then get contrarian with one or two plays as well. One thing I will also say is that we have a really robust afternoon slate to the point Mm -hmm. where it might just be more fun to play some afternoon slate, depending on what we're looking at in terms of payouts and where you are in terms of bankroll. There's just uh, more games in the four o'clock window. So I might actually just switch some of my uh, typical main slate bankroll to some early and some afternoon slate, obviously going to be playing the main slate as well. But that's really the only adjustments I'm making in this this 14 gamer. Yeah, I will say going all the way back to week three, um, that was a 13 game slate. And that was also a, a slate where we didn't have um, I I, th- I think the Chiefs might have been had a 30 point implied point total. But we also had a bunch of teams just projected kind of like we do this week, just kind of bunched together near the top. And, and what we saw from that was um, no quarterback really ran away with ownership. No passing game ran away with ownership. Only two players were above 10% uh, at the quarterback position. No players were above 12%. And I think it should be very similar this week. So we could see that week we saw Josh Allen was kind of the GPP winner of the week, came in at a surprise 5% because so many players were bunched together in terms of ownership I, I think we could see some surprise uh low ownership on a few guys this week and with such a big slate I'm, I'm not going to say that you shouldn't um you know have double stacks or onslaughts I just the 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 mathematics and the likelihood of of random players hitting and having to kind of be more perfect and and maybe not um have four players from one game that's kind of how it plays out with 14 game slates. Like there's just so many players available that can have big games that if you're playing large field stuff, I think you kind of do have to lean a little bit more to like a, a lottery style where like you just kind of hope you hit on the guy that hits from a few different games you like. Like I said, I think you could still eliminate games, but I think you're probably losing potential upside in your lineup. If you're just playing, um, you know, four guys from one game, it's going to be hard for them to separate from the field when there's just so many players that, that can hit, um, you know, 28 teams in, in action is a lot. That's a good point. That's a good point. Ed. To win the millionaire maker this week, you got to be even more perfect than usual. Great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let, let's jump into some some guys that uh, some tournament plays that you like. Um, again, we'll, we'll just go through these kind of quick, have some fun with it. But who's someone you're you're looking at for tournaments this week? Sure, I'll start with Tyler Lockett here. A plus matchup against Detroit. Maybe a little bit of weather concerns. We're seeing a wind sort of hovering around that 13 mile per hour range. If it gets over 15, I might change my tune. But Lockett was very uh, adamant saying that he lost weight. He was out of breath when he came back from COVID. He's getting healthier now. They're touchdown favorites. And Detroit is 31st against the pass this year. I hope that Russell Wilson and this passing offense can figure it out. I think Lockett has a 100-yard game in him for sure. Yeah, one of the reasons... Russ has been one of the most, if not the most efficient passer uh, in recent history is because he's been the best deep ball passer in the league. Um, you know, but I would say better than anybody. Um, and they haven't hit on those a ton, but, but he still, since coming back from injury does lead the league in deep ball rate percent of passes, passes of 20 plus air yards. So if they connect on a couple of those um, big game there, I love Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs passing game this week. Um, as I talked about, 
with the way that ownership is tends to shake out on a slate that's this big, even though the Chiefs are in a good spot, 27.75 implied point total. I think uh, so many quarterbacks are in good spots that we could see Patrick Mahomes end up with 4 or 5% uh, ownership. KC has the highest neutral pass rate over the last six weeks. Teams throwing at the third highest rate in neutral passing uh, script against Cincinnati, and Cincinnati's lining the eighth highest QBR on passes of 20 or more air yards um, in the second half of the season. So I, I really like the Chiefs to um, have a big game this week. I like this one a lot. Um, if this if this player is healthy as one of the a huge leverage playoff, maybe the most popular quarterback of the week. Well, we're going to get to that at the end here because you say that he's going to be the most popular, but that's not the case around the industry. Sometimes mm-hmm. it, we see some discrepancies. And right now, I'll reveal later who we're talking about, but Eli Mitchell is this contrarian option that I really, really like this week. Repeatedly used as a bell cow by Kyle Shanahan, win healthy, 14 expected fantasy points per game this season. That's like 12th to 15th on the slate, depending on which site you're looking at the expected fantasy points for. But in a six-week sample, he's only played in two of those games. 23 expected fantasy points that's flirting with like jonathan taylor expected fantasy points numbers i'm not saying he's going to score as much as taylor who's at five and a half fantasy points over expected per game right now in a six-week span but a pivot off of lance as we were talking about before eli mitchell could get a huge workload in a game where many people are really looking at the passing game and the receiving weapons only yeah um i i like that call a lot i think Excuse me. I think it's a, a really interesting to, uh, week to be contrarian at running back. I think the running back options are pretty thin, and I think ownership is going to concentrate really heavily on maybe four or five guys. So, um, you know, one way to do that is just get a contrarian player. Another way to do that is to kind of flip the build um, on on how you're going to roster the running backs. And I just I don't think anybody is going to be paying up for running backs this week um the obvious one is jonathan taylor he's priced way up but austin eckler as well um looking at fandle right now he has our second highest ceiling projection but he's projecting for sub 10 percent ownership he basically has the same ceiling projection as david montgomery and will probably be in like maybe a quarter of lineups now i know they have a really tough matchup against denver but uh when when eckler's healthy we know he gets uh, a ton of work through the air gets the goal line work uh so if you have a player with that high of a ceiling projection that low of um of an ownership projection i think it's definitely worth taking a stab because not only is he going to be unique but it's just going to uh, lead to a really unique roster build with nobody paying up a running back great point there especially with the usage uh potential really really high in a game that not many are uh really looking at targeting this is a situation that's an awesome contrarian option well i'm going to talk about sort of you you were mentioning this kansas city chiefs offense and really this game stack looks so good to me and i'm going to get back to travis kelsey who was insanely dominant in the fourth quarter and overtime of week 15 closed out that game with that crazy 30 yard run and then he got taken away from us from going on the COVID 19 list missed that game against pittsburgh i'm going right back to the well i just wrote i, I just can't believe travis kelsey is under 10 percent owned yeah. on a main slate in a great matchup by you know it's that's jordan meme stop it <laughs> yeah stop it. i i think i think he on 
I think on Fandle, maybe he gets above 10%. Um, I, I just think the weird thing is that with him and Andrews kind of similarly priced, I, I think people are going to want to get to Andrews too. And on DraftKings, it's going to be really hard to pay up for tight end. So uh, I, I think his ownership has a kind of a wider range of outcomes. But overall, just the Chiefs in general, I don't think are going to have um, nearly as much ownership as, as they should for a team in a spot like this. I, I think that the Chiefs are, are probably... Um, one of my two favorite teams to stack. Another one is the Cowboys. I already talked about Dak a bunch, and and Dak is just really interesting because he, no matter how good of a spot he comes in, he just never seems to come in chalk. He never projects high, and and I think it has a lot to do with it's hard to figure out who to stack him with, um, just because their target share in Dallas is so fragmented, and then people always think that. Uh, he is going to lose touchdown equity to the running backs, which is definitely a possibility, but I already laid out how much they've been passing in recent weeks. I really like stacking him with Michael Gallup this week. I, I touched on the fact that um, that the Cardinals have been really struggling against the deep ball in recent weeks. Gallup leads the team in average depth of target over uh, the second half of the season, 12.9 average uh, average yards per target on that. Um, leads the team in expected fantasy points per the four for, per the four for four breakout model, but he's performing about 40% below expectation in recent weeks. So he has some positive regression notes on him. So um, I like a, a Dak Gallup stack, and, and you're saving some salary with it too because Gallup's pretty affordable on both sides. Yep, rip to all my Dak and Gallup stacks in season-long fantasy football. I didn't make it, but I yeah. really do like it this week. Yeah, you like another receiver in tournaments. Yeah, this is a solid contrarian play. I know it doesn't look quite as good as last week at 8 for 82. Michael Pittman is who I'm talking about. Yeah. Indianapolis is playing the Las Vegas Raiders, and they're healthier at the wide receiver core than they were a week ago. But I think Michael Pittman is going to be a contrarian tournament option for the rest of the season, the way that we're looking at the Indianapolis offense leaning on Jonathan Taylor. Obviously, Taylor is a strong play, but when he fails and Indianapolis doesn't fall completely on their face, it's likely because Michael Pittman succeeded. And now I know that their quarterback position is in flux this week. It's really about the fact that I'm starting to believe that you can have an eight, nine reception floor for Pittman when teams are successful in taking away Taylor. Not saying Las Vegas is going to be able to do that this week. They're six and a half point underdogs. Uh, you know, Taylor is fine by, by all stretches. He's great. But I think Pittman can be a really, really great tournament play as well. Yeah, the concern for Taylor is that their offensive line is, is in shambles. Um, if it ends up that Carson Wentz isn't playing, nobody is playing Michael Pittman. So I think you can use him um, as a one-off. Another one, uh, Stephon Diggs. I mean, uh, there really isn't much to say about it. Anytime you can get Diggs at, at sub-10% ownership, which I, I think uh, he, he could end up as, uh, you want to play him. I think a lot of people are going to be, uh, you know, especially if, um, if Emmanuel Sanders is out, a lot of people might go back to that game. Gabriel Davis well uh, we saw McKenzie have a big game last week Beasley's coming back uh, Dawson Knox has been a, a good touchdown guy so I think all of a sudden kind of similar to Dallas there's just so many players you could stack with Josh Allen if you're playing Allen you're going to want to save salary somehow I think that's going to move a lot of people to play some combo of, of Beasley Knox Gabe Davis um, but Diggs I mean I'm, I'm fine taking on a bunch of salary and a, a skinny stack with um, Josh Allen and Diggs this week yeah, yeah. They are good, and Atlanta is bad, in case we forgot. Uh, 
So yeah. this this last one for me is a chalk player. Yeah. And I wanted to bring him up for the reasons that you actually brought up in the beginning of this segment, which is the flattening of ownership, particularly at the onesie positions, where we have only one player on DraftKings right now, based on my latest projections, who is going to be over 10% owned at the yep. quarterback position. On FanDuel, it might be a little bit different. But right now, the chalk value option in Trey Lance is looking like 7% projected ownership. Now, yep. certainly in cash games, this is going to be higher, right? You need to contextualize ownership projections wherever you're getting them from around the, the industry here. It, it's an obvious value play, so people are going to flock there. But on a week like this, it, obvious play does not mean super popular play just because right. the builds get so differentiated with so many games on the slate. This is a great spot, which is why he's becoming popular at the position. And he, his salary is incredibly low. The number three offense via team PFF offensive grades versus the number 29 defense in the Houston Texans. Yeah, they showed up last week. But PFF is certainly not giving them any love at all. Trey Lance technically makes this list, even though he's going to be chalk in certain situations. No, on, on FanDuel, I mean, we just don't see these super cheap um, quarterbacks get huge ownership numbers because you just don't have to pay down on FanDuel. On DraftKings, I think the thing that could keep his ownership in check is Tyler Huntley. They're not the same. They're not close in salary. They're 600 apart, but Tyler Huntley is a sub-6K guy. So I think when people are just kind of thinking in terms of pay down, I think they could um, cannibalize each other's ownership a little bit. So so um, I'm fine with that. And, and, and Trey Lance is, is interesting because you can get really unique with him in terms of like uh, he is a um, a potential naked quarterback build guy. So um, that's interesting as well. My last play is uh, kind of contingent on all of those players we talked about uh, on the Buccaneers, who's active and who's not. Rob Gronkowski, my favorite way to play Gronk is if Antonio Brown plays um, and Mike Evans doesn't because then we'll still we'll get huge ownership on AB and Rojo. Um, I, I think probably with the game time decision, we're going to see Antonio Brown be less chalky than we expect no matter what. But even if, um, you know, as, as long as Evans plays, I don't think Gronk uh, draws huge ownership numbers. Now, the, the, the bad situation, if Evans and AB are out, then Gronk is probably crazy chalky. But uh, I just want to bring it up just to keep an eye on this game. Gronk's coming off of a dud. Um, we have um, Kittle. I'm sorry. We have Kelsey and Andrews in spots that are probably going to draw some ownership, even though Gronk isn't as expensive as them. Uh, I, I think the only way he gets to double-digit ownership is if Evans and AB are both out. So just uh, a game to, to keep an eye on. Um, that's one that's really going to uh, swing ownership probably more than any game on the slate. But Buccaneers still projecting for a ton of points. So I'm I'm keeping my eye on the Bucks and then trying to figure out how to stack that game. Love it. Hey, that was a lot of fun. I dig it. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun way to close out the season over the next couple of weeks. Um, if you're if you're watching, please stay with us over the next couple of weeks. Uh, please support us by liking us on YouTube and fo following the uh, Four for Four channel. And if you're listening on the audio, please give us a uh, a five star rating or review on iTunes. Make sure you're checking out our other shows that all go through next week. We have our cash game review here on YouTube. Still doing our Yahoo DFS value plays with. 
uh, Matt Harmon on both the DFS MVP and the Yahoo podcast feeds. And of course, Sunday morning GPP last look show with Jordan Vanek on the subscriber only discord. If you haven't signed up, price dropped to $24 uh, for the rest of the season. Please follow us on Twitter. Four for fours at four for four football. Matt's a draftaholic. I'm at TJ Hernandez. Good luck in week 17.